Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And so here's the lesson that we learn in faith, is faith opens the door for what life with God can be. Faith opens the door. Faith opens your eyes to help you to see that this road that you're on, it's really not a waste. This road that's being paved is really taking you somewhere. It doesn't always make sense, at least according to the world, but God is taking you somewhere. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Everyone has heroes growing up, and even in adulthood. It is these heroes that often can do things we wish we could do. They have a popularity that we can only dream about. When it comes to our relationship with God, He doesn't want us to only have heroes of this world, but also heroes of faith. In this series, we'll be studying a portion of the Bible in Hebrews 11 that is known as the Heroes of Faith chapter. This chapter is full of stories of men and women who had an extraordinary faith in God. While they were not perfect, they were faithful. As we study their stories, we will learn how we can be faithful as well. Please enjoy the message. we're continuing our sermon series that's entitled Heroes of Faith. And we're specifically honing in on a person named Gideon. And we're specifically honing in on Judges chapter 6 and uh, chapter 7 uh, of the book of Judges. There's a man named J. Wallace Hamilton who's an author, and he wrote, or he wrote of a story that he heard about in which during the Great Depression, a group of men were hired to build a road into the South Dakota wilderness. And as they were building this road, Um, the men, the project started with great productivity and the men were excited to have a job because they had previously been unemployed. But as they moved along, something became known to them that was a bit discouraging. This road they were building, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't have a purpose. And eventually morale dropped off. The excitement, um, excitement that was there eventually wasn't there anymore. Productivity fell off and many of the men ended up quitting. The project actually ended up in the end having to be halted altogether because there just wasn't enough of a labor force to keep it going. And J. Wallace Hamilton concludes that particular story with this line, roads to nowhere are hard to build. And what I've kind of found is that with people, and even at times with myself, is it can feel like my faith. And maybe even some of you can feel that way about your faith, that your faith is a road that's not going anywhere. I mean, obviously it goes on to heaven, we, we get that, but, but between, between the now and then, it's like, where is this road going? And we, we just wonder, why is it that I'm doing the things that I'm doing? I mean, we're putting in the labor, we're putting in the work, we're laying the asphalt, but where exactly is this road going? Where is God taking me? And so we attend church, many of you attend church very regularly, and you're asking yourself, you know, I'm here on these Sunday mornings, but it seems like this should be more impactful in my life. What exactly is off here? Or you're reading your Bible and people like me will tell you, you need to read your Bible more often. It's really important that you read your Bible. It'll change your life. And then you're reading it and you're saying, I don't understand it. It's not changing my life. What's going on here? And again, you're laying this this asphalt. You're building this road, but it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Or you're a Christian and you say a prayer and the prayer isn't answered or at least not answered the way that you want it to be. And it's like, where's this road taking me? And maybe it's not so much spiritual disciplines. Maybe it's just circumstances of your life. And you've been faithful. Um, You've held on to the faith. 
But yet you look around your situation and you're wondering, like, if this is where my faith is, has gotten me, I'm not really sure if it's worth it. And you look around and you see a husband who's left you, a wife who's cheated on you, kids who are out of control. Maybe you can't meet somebody to marry. Maybe you can't get the job that you want or the job that you have isn't the one that you want. And you're just in this situation and you're saying, all right, if I'm on this road with God, it does, like where it's taking me isn't anywhere that I really want to be. And what I've found is this with myself and even with others is this when it comes to these roads that we build of our faith is that your faith will seem like it's going nowhere when it's more focused on you than it is on God. And that's the bottom line. Those moments when you feel like nothing's happening or nothing's getting accomplished or it doesn't seem like you're going anywhere, generally it's because you're so focused on yourself that you're forgetting that God has another plan, that God has another way. And often we'll align ourselves with the world's systems, the world's values, and when our life isn't quite stacking up to what they say that should be happening in our lives, because we're focused on ourselves, we end up feeling like we're on a road that's going nowhere. And we look at friends of ours that are living according to the world or whatever that may look like, and and we're saying, well, they're going a lot further than I'm going. Maybe I need to be on that road. And that's exactly what happened with the Israelites in the book of Judges, as we're going to come to find out. That there came this point in which they just decided that being faithful to God just wasn't worth it anymore. And so they started adapting the practice of worshiping other gods. And that's just what you did in that particular day because you thought that if you worship the right God, then it would benefit you socially, economically, relationally, familiar with your family. That's what they thought. And so the Israelites began worshiping the God of the sun, the God of the soil, the God of rain, because those were the gods that would help them to produce their crops, that would help them to live the life that they were, so, to live the life that they, that they wanted to live in that particular time. And so they compromised. And in the midst of it all, they began to be oppressed by other people groups. And that's where we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And what kind of evil did they do? Did they do? Well, it was primarily the evil of, of focusing, of compromising their worship to God, Yahweh, to focus on other gods. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. For seven years, they were oppressed. For seven years, it seemed as though God had abandoned them. But the truth is, God hadn't abandoned them. They had abandoned God. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. They were running for the hills. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Malachites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. Every year, about the same time, they would come. And there wasn't a political control that these people groups wanted. They didn't want a responsibility for the Israelites. It was economic oppression. They wanted their livestock. They wanted their crops. They wanted all the produce that they could get from them. They would swoop in every year about the same time and take 80%, if not more, of everything that they had produced, giving them just enough to get by until the next year to produce another group of crops that they could come in and steal. It'd be like somebody coming and taking 80% of your paycheck every two weeks. And some of you are saying, well, doesn't the government do that anyway? (laughs) Now, hopefully it's not that much. But yeah, it's like every two weeks, somebody swoops in, takes 80% of everything that you've made. That's what they're dealing with here. And they can't, they can't overcome the situation. And so they cry out to God. But as many commentators would say, they're crying out more with a worldly sorrow. They're sorry for their situation. They're sorry for their circumstances. They're maybe even a little bit sorry for the decisions that they've made. 
it's not a godly sorrow. It's not like they're really trying to reconnect with God. They're just trying to get back in control of their lives. But as is uh, often the case with God, God is merciful, compassionate, gracious, and he meets us in the midst of these areas where we're coming up short. Isn't that what the gospel is anyway? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we yet weren't good enough, while we weren't going to quite make it, he met us where we are. And that's what happens with Gideon. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, who, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now we don't quite, just reading that, we lose some of the significance of it today. But if you were to see some pictures, and I'll show them to you, you didn't thresh wheat in a wine press. That's, that was counterintuitive. doesn't make any sense. You threshed wheat on a hillside where it was windy. It was a very visible location. But that's where the Midianites would often swoop in and steal the, steal the wheat, and then they would run off with what it is that you would produce. And so he doesn't want to be in a visible location because he, he's not going to be able to defend himself. He's, he's not going to be able to fight. I mean, he's scared. He's worried. He is settling for the least of an existence that he can possibly get by with in this particular day. And a wine press is something like this. It was in a valley, and you were in a hole of a valley. You were as low as you possibly could be, and you would smash these grapes, and then the juice from the grapes would would ultimately go down into this hole where they would get the juice there that they would be able to drink. And so he's in this location, and he's threshing wheat. And this is what the angel says to him. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, people read that, and they thought, well, maybe the angel was being sarcastic. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You're hanging out in the bottom of the wine press, threshing wheat. Oh, mighty warrior. Some have also said, well, the angel was pointing, t- getting towards all the potential, the unlocked potential that he had never fully realized into his life, that you've got things that you haven't done yet with yourself, that you, there's so much more that you could do. There's genius inside of you. There's leadership qualities inside of you that you aren't quite... Uh, that you haven't quite tapped into, Gideon. But really, what the angel's saying is this. Is Gideon, God is with you. And because God is with you, you are a mighty warrior. That there's this sort of this place that you are, and there's maybe this place that you could get to on your own, but then because God is with you, there's this whole other stratosphere that you could get to because he's there. It's kind of like this example. You got Bob Bonner, Cal Ripken, Jeff Snyder. This is a Baltimore Orioles 1982 rookie card, Future Stars. Now, Jeff Snyder, and this card's worth about $100. Jeff Snyder there had an ERA of 13. 
Now, if you don't know what an ERA of 13 means, that's earn run average. That means if he pitched nine innings in a game, he would give up 13 runs. Now, here's the deal with giving up 13 runs of baseball. You're not going to win many games if you give up 13 runs. So the whole future star thing didn't quite work out for Jeff Snyder. <laughs> Bob, Bonner, Bob Bonner, he ended up with eight RBIs in his career. And yet this card's worth $100. Why is that? Cal Ripken Jr. Because Cal Ripken Jr. Um, played in 3,001 games. He had over 3,000 hits, 430 home runs. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest players ever played the game. Because they're connected to Cal Ripken Jr., that card's worth $100. If Jeff Snyder had his own rookie card all by itself, he might be worth 10 cents. 10 cents on his own. Even if he had a good career, it might be worth a quarter. But because he's connected to Cal Ripken Jr., there's a value there that's beyond what he could have ever imagined on his own. Because of who he's connected to. Because of who's with him. And some of you need to hear that. Because maybe right now you're in a wine press. In fact, I guarantee you you're in a wine press in some area of your life. And God's just sitting there with you. And if the angel of the Lord was with you, what would he say? What would he say to you? He'd say, God is with you, faithful husband. Because some, some of you husbands, you're worried about that. You're worried that one day you're not going to be faithful to your wife. Or you're worried that one day in a weak spot you'll, you'll compromise your integrity. And, and the angel's saying, no, no, God is with you. And you are a faithful husband. And you will be faithful to that wife of yours for the rest of your life. And some of you women, some of you wives are worried about that with your husbands. And God is saying to you, no, no, no. He is a faithful husband. I'm with him. He's going to be a faithful husband. And, and some of the issue with us is that we maybe came in a home in which there wasn't a vision given to us of what this exactly looks like. And, and that's one of the major reasons why, you know, we need God in our lives. Because he opens our eyes to things. He gives us a vision for things that we would never have on our own. And so, like, for me, I didn't grow up with a, a, a dad, much less somebody who was a faithful husband. And so I caught glimpses of it here and there. On my own, I could have been marginally better than, what I, than the vision that was given to me in that house. But because God is with me, I can be exponentially better than what I could have ever imagined being on my own. See what I'm saying? God is with you. Respectful wife. You know, maybe your husband's done things to you, said things to you that, that are just unimaginable. And the idea that you would be respectful and loving to him is something that you can't even fathom. But God is with you. You can be. And you know your Christian faith is calling you to be that. You are supposed to be that. You ought to be that. God is with you. Phenomenal parent. You are a good parent. And maybe your mom wasn't a good mom to you. Maybe your dad wasn't a good dad to you. That doesn't mean that you still can't be a great parent. But it does mean you have to stop making excuses. And you got to open your eyes to maybe the kind of parent that God is calling you to be. There's a lot of uh, strategies and tricks and different tips to parenting that I don't know. And there's just things that, honestly, as, I, as I'm looking back now, I've got my oldest is eight, my youngest is nine months, and, and I'm looking over the scan of the, these last several years, and I'm looking at all that, and I'm saying, you know what? There's strategies that can help me to be a better parent. But if I were just willing to take time every single day to be with Jesus, to really pursue him, so many of the things that I do I wouldn't do that I regret. So many of the things that I regret doing, I wouldn't do. The things that really sabotage my parenting aren't the things that I don't know. 
necessarily. Honestly, it's the things that if I were to really live by the Spirit of God, that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control, those types of things, like that would really set my parenting through the roof, send my parenting through the roof, okay? That's what we're talking about here. I mean, you can keep trying to do it on your own. You may do a little better than what you grew up with, but God's got so much more for you than you could ever imagine. Contented single, the world will tell you that you're missing out. You can't be a whole person if you're not married. The world will tell you maybe even contented uh, spouse or contented married couple, maybe you can't have children or you aren't going to have children. The world's going to tell you, well, that's too bad for you. But what God's saying is, no, no, I'm with you. You can be contented. You can find contentment. You have to. Because inevitably, none of these things are ever going to fulfill you anyway. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Honest employee, you don't have to lie, cheat, steal. You don't have to mislead customers of yours. You don't have to embezzle money. You can be honest. Now, you, your, your employer may tell you that you can't be honest. Maybe your customer is telling you that you have to fudge the numbers a little bit. But you, God's saying, no, no, I'm with you. You can be an honest employee. And maybe, maybe it means you don't work out where you're, maybe it does, means that it doesn't work out with where you're at, but you can still make it. And I'll give you something better than you could ever imagine. God's saying that you can be a difference maker because he's with you. Some of you are wondering, like, what kind of difference are you going to make in life? Maybe you're kind of wandering along and you're just like saying, I just don't know if, I'm, if I really matter. And God's saying, yeah, you do. And he, if you give him just a little bit, he'll do so much more with that than you can imagine. My wife's grandmother passed away a few months back. I was blown away by the number of stories that were told about her, by the impact that she made on people's lives, the difference that she made on people's lives. But guess when she made the difference on people's lives? Was it preaching? No. Was it singing? No. Was it teaching a Bible study? No. Was it going over to people's homes and constantly helping them? No. I mean, those are good things. It's good things. She would sign checks at her church. For 15 years, she would go in and sign these checks, and they would get sent out to different vendors that have partnerships with the church. Now, it was a job that probably took 45 minutes, but she would be there three or four hours talking with people, listening to people. And so at her funeral, person after person after person, we had to cut them off. There were so many people. They came up and they said, 
And it, we all called her grandma. Grandma was so encouraging. She encouraged me when I was at my lowest. She listened to me when nobody else would. She was the mother that I never had. Those were the stories that we were hearing. All while she signed checks. If you don't think that you can make a difference, then you don't really believe God's with you. But if you can tap into this, even the smallest menial task can make the biggest difference. You can be a miracle worker. You look around your situation, maybe there's chaos right now. Maybe it's all disjointed your life. And maybe God is saying, you know what, I'm going to make you be the one that's going to lead this family, lead this company, that's going to lead these people out of this situation. Like, you could be that miracle worker. And that was what was going on with Gideon. And so here's the lesson that we learn in faith, is faith opens the door for what life with God can be. Faith opens the door. Faith opens your eyes to help you to see that this road that you're on, it's really not a waste. This road that's being paved is really taking you somewhere. It doesn't always make sense, at least according to the world, but God is taking you somewhere. With Gideon, he wasn't so easily convinced. And he says, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why are all these things happening to us? He's saying, look at my circumstances. Look at my situation. Nothing is good around us. We're hanging out in caves. I'm in a wine press threshing, threshing wheat. We used to be in control. Now we are not. Now we're being oppressed. What do you mean you're with us? Where are all his wonders, he says, that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. But the truth is God hadn't abandoned them. They had abandoned God and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. He's not even going to acknowledge that. And he says, but am I not sending you? And that's a key question there. Am I not sending you? But Gideon doesn't know who God is. His father, Gideon's father, worships in a share pole that Gideon had to tear down. The people around him worshiped all these other gods. He doesn't know who God is. He's saying, am I not sending you? God says that, but Gideon's like, I don't know who you are. And he says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? He's pointing back to himself. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. In other words, I have no affluence. I have no influence. I'm the least in my family. I can't even lead my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. We might say something like, God, I can't start the business. I can't lead that person to faith. I can't bring that person to church. I can't save this marriage. I can't rescue my child. I can't do it. Look at what's happening around me. I am the least of these. My, my, father, my parents divorced. How could I not end up with divorce? My parents were terrible parents. How can I, of course I'm not going to be a good parent. I've never had anybody show me how to manage money. Of course my finances are going to be a mess. And Gideon, though, he goes on. He's saying, God, I need a sign. Gideon said to God, that if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. And if there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And when you hear the phrase, testing the waters, or laying out a fleece, that's where those phrases come, this is where those phrases come from. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next morning. He squeezed the fleece, wrung out the dew. A bowl full of water appeared, was there. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me 
make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That, that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Now, many people, and maybe even some of you fall into this category, I have from time to time, we'll, we'll, go, we'll take this story and we'll say, God, um, you, you showed Gideon a sign on how to make a decision. So, so give me a sign. And, and we'll lay a fleece out, so to speak. Or again, we'll test the waters. But we got to be careful with doing that. One of, my, one of the stories that I love uh, to tell when I'm talking about this particular concept is a, about a preacher named Charlie Greer. He's in Des Moines, Iowa. This church in Wichita, Kansas calls him and, and says to him, hey, we'd like you to come down here and lead our church. But Charlie was torn as to what he was supposed to do or what he would do. And so he goes to his family and he says, we need to pray about this. If we're going to leave and go to Wichita, and I'm going to take a new position. I don't really know. He was torn about what God wanted him to do. Some of you understand that when you come to these crossroads of these types of decisions. And so he goes to his family and says, let's pray about this tonight. And then tomorrow we'll come back together and see if any of us feel like God has really put something on our hearts. His son, Nate, goes to bed that night. And he just happened to have learned this story recently. And he says to God, God, if you want us to go to Wichita, Kansas, then make it rain. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.